With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. It's easy to get started. Visit westernsouthern.com. Now batting, number one in our hearts. At least he'd like to think so. It's the Jim Day Podcast. All right, here we are again, another edition of the Jim Day Podcast. Thank you, wherever you are. And however you're tuning into this bad boy, we thank you so, so much. As we like to do from time to time, we like to uh, bring you some best of episodes. And this is the best of Reds Hall of Famers. And when you list George Foster, Ron Oster, Barry Larkin, Jose Rijo, Sean Casey, that's a pretty good list. In fact, I'm looking back like, oh, wow, we're doing pretty good. We got some, we've had some good guests along the way. So George Foster is, uh, is a trip. Ronnie O, Cincinnati Zone, the hard nose. We'll, we'll have some best stuff of him coming up, including the mayor, Sean Casey, making his third appearance on the Jim Day podcast. Well, technically, I don't know, would this be four since he's part of the best of? Anywho. Uh, and then the Barry Larkin, Jose Rijo conversation where I was talking to Larkin and then all of a sudden uh, who, Rijo, who I was supposed to do separately, walks in. And then we end up doing a terrific interview together. One of my favorites. So, hope you enjoy. It's another best of edition of the Jim Day Podcast. He is the 1977 National League MVP. He led the league in home runs, 77, 78. RBIs in 76, 77, and 78. Won a Silver Slugger Award in 1981. And, of course... A member of the Big Red Machine, two-time World Series champion, and in 2003, he was inducted into the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. He is George Arthur Foster. When they talk about the Big Red Machine, they say, well, the final piece of the puzzle was when they traded to get Joe Morgan to come over here. And that was, of course, a major, major piece of the puzzle. But really, even though you're already still on the team in 75, when Pete Rose moved to third base and you were inserted into left field in the everyday lineup, that was the final piece of the puzzle to me. How did that go down for you? Did you just show up one day and you were in the starting lineup in left field and you stayed there, or did Sparky talk to you about it? Well, Sparky called me into his office, and you know, at the time, I, I was enjoying myself playing every fourth day, just like a pitcher. You know, go out there and pitch one day, and you're off three or four days, and and I'll be in platoon and say, well. You know, now I got to play every day. He said, you're going to get a chance to play every day. And I said, every day? I got to go out there every day? So, okay. Well, <laughs> as it turned out, it was great because the Braves always play well against the Braves. And we played Braves. The, the series against the Braves was coming up. And so it all fit fit perfectly. I got a chance to get the chance to start every day and then play against the Braves. But Marty Brenneman had said something I didn't really think about until later. He said, after I was inserted into the lineup, we won 41 out of 50 games. Yeah. And I, then later on, I said, you know, what was the reason? Was it George Foster or was it George Foster that caused that? <laughs> so I never really bragged about it. But now I was like, yeah, well, we were we were behind the Dodgers. Yeah. The Dodgers had just won that previous year and jobs were on the line. Sparky may have gotten fired and they had to make some 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 moves there and, and in Pete's case he's a team player because he had moved from second to the outfield now from the outfield back to third base but nobody realized that why did he move to third base I, I gave him a proposal that he couldn't refuse so the next day that's where he was at third base but that's when the big red machine started to rock and roll oh and boy did you guys rock and roll you also mentioned Nuxie had helped you uh, uh, are you yeah. referring to you know he threw batting practice as a lefty so is that what helped you the, those sessions those sessions helped me because like say learning the outside hitting zone that strike mm -hmm. being able to drive the ball the right center so now when i'm facing a right hander throwing a breaking ball i'm able to 
get that muscle memory to drive the ball to right center. And but I love because he threw strikes and he was there to help you. Believe it or not, you have some guys who throw in batting practice they're trying to get you out. I thought you're on the, you're on my team. You know why are you trying to get me out? But Joe <laughs> Nuxall, he didn't care because he was there to try to help you to get better. And then with the slider, the left-handed slider, a lot of guys they they try to pull that pitch, but I what I the term that I use I know it's different today than than when we played. They talk about getting your hands inside, but I said keep the bat bat between the ball and your body that helped you to stay on the pitch longer because you know, I was uh, hitting against Valenzuela. He had that screwball and a slider, and I fouled off, which I don't usually foul off that many, eight or nine pitches, and he finally threw me that slider. It was like I didn't know he had a slider until I saw it going out of left field as a home run. <laughs> but Joe Noxar was uh, he was great there, and he was, he was my locker buddy right next to me. We always talked baseball, and and he always talk about how well I hit the ball to right center. And I don't know if the time I said to him, I give you credit for doing that, but but I, I love having him throwing batting practice. I loved that they gave Nuxie a locker. And your I didn't know your locker was right next to him. Yeah, right next to him. Wow. That's a tr- that was a treat. Yeah, that's a tremendous influence because if you you know, there are some people when I need just a dose of goodness, uh like I'll call like George Grant. Like George, mm-hmm. I just need some. Just give me some George Grant. I just yeah. This world's you know beat me down. Uh, he had yeah. to be kind of like that for you. Yeah, it's it's a. It, what the thing is is that you know he he knew my swing, and I I trusted what he would say. And said, well, you know that 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 certain pitch, uh, or say a, a guy's a lefty was pitching that night. He said, okay. This guy, you know, likes to come inside or, you know, just work on the things that continue working on the things we did in batting practice. You'll be fine. And then then in the postgame show, you know, yeah, hey, Yahtzee, you, you did what you said you're going to do. No, I said, no, Joe, I did what you said I should do. But, <laughs> but we, he was always there giving that support. Yeah. You broke out in 76, drove in 121, but 1977. I mean, when you look at the numbers you put up in 1977, uh, everyone talks about the 52 home runs and the 149 RBIs. I said 149 RBIs. Uh, but- I was an underachiever, though. I underachieved that year. I needed 150 RBIs. I needed 200 hits. And I, I was hitting 300, hitting 50 or more RBI, 50 or more home runs, 200 more hits, 150 RBIs or more. I would have been in the class of uh, Babe Ruth to, to be able to do that. But the thing is, I just wanted to be consistent that particular year. And, and But I wanted to play. I mean, when the season was over, I said, is that it? I, I still could play. You know, I want to play some more. Let's, you know, go like the uh, having an all-star game, all-star team that traveled the world. You know, this swing, this swing is I want to make sure that I savor this swing. But, of course, you know, I look back when talk, people talk about that year, but I was focused on – more of the the journey and 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 how much better can i be well athletes of your caliber i always love when you bring up like a season like this and the first thing you think of was wow i didn't get 200 hits and i should have got 150 rbi yeah one rbi more you came one hits you had 197 hits so it's not like you you fell way short and you hit 320 that year 320. Well, that part I was proud of, hitting for average, not only hitting for power, but hitting for average. You have guys may hit for average, but not power and vice versa. But being able to put up 50-plus home runs and still hit 300 or better, that's hitting. Yeah, all no doubt. Your OPS was 1.013. Just a tremendous season. One of the best seasons we've ever seen in Major well, League Well, then, like, what is OPS at the time? Like, I don't know what OPS is. It must be good because they said it's top in the league. Well, if you're above one, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Especially when you played in 158 games. It's not like you sat out a lot. 158. No, I wanted to play as, as many games. I mean, getting to that point to play on a regular basis, I Griffin and I didn't want to sit out. We wanted to play. Yeah. Let's put 1977 George Foster in Great American Ballpark. How many home oh. runs? How many home runs would you hit? Uh, well, I tell people, I tell people, I hit probably about 70 at All Star break. 
<laughs> if they pitch to me at that park, I could hit a check swing, hit it out of that ballpark. Not not to downgrade or discredit these guys, but I see guys hitting off the field home runs up in the bleach like what? Oh yeah, fly balls those first real home runs. Fly ball. I remember Brandon Field hit a, a ball to right center. He broke his bat. He was upset, and the ball ended up in about the second tier of bleachers. Wow. <laughs> like what? Or even Frazier, you know, throw the bat at the ball. Yeah. Oh, I like, listen. I so I say, are the balls juiced or or what? Well, that's a different story. Uh, I think for a period of time, yes. Uh, changing the ball this season, that. ironically. I didn't. I said that. You didn't say that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've you know I'm down the field a lot, and I it's always amazing to me when former players come back and they walk out of that dugout onto the field and then they get their first look at Great American Ballpark. Uh, I'll never yeah. forget, like, Brett Boone was one of them. He walked out there, and he's like, he looked at the fence, and he's like, oh, man, I would have loved to have played here. Mm. would have loved to have played here. I mean, it was like going to Wrigley Field with the wind blowing out. Oh, yeah, I bet. I just get the ball in the air, get the ball in the oh, But back in AAA, I played in, uh, well, better yet, Montreal. The wind was blowing out left field or right field, one of those fields. So you just hit the ball in the air, you got a home run. Wow. what Do you have one ball that you hit that was your favorite, that either felt the best or um, hit the farthest? Do you have one that you like, wow, that was the truest well, home the, run I ever hit? Well, the the best, the one that felt the best is against the Dodgers. We ended up winning the game one to nothing oh, against beautiful. Andy Messersmith. And he, he threw a two-hitter. And yes, yes, I know you're going to ask. Yes, I got both of the hits. And he had one of the best change-ups, close to Mario Soto, as best change-ups in the game. So I think he threw me a – maybe it's a fastball, and I hit it line drive up the middle. And then he threw me the change-up. I hit, a left, hit it over the left-field wall. And But when I – to this day, I would ask – I wanted to ask Dusty Baker, where were you going on that ball? And Because you needed a ticket to catch that ball. So so we ended up winning the game one to nothing, but I know I'd say he threw a two two hitter and I think he won like twenty games that year with the Dodgers, but that was it is it's like you were prepared for it, prepared 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 for greatness that particular day. And being in, in California against the Dodgers and my family and friends were there, I mean that was exciting. You needed a ticket to catch that ball. He needed that. He's like, where are you going? That ball was taken off. Didn't even have a flight attendant on that ball. <laughs> you had mentioned Joe Morgan. Talked a little bit about Ken Griffey Sr. Uh, if I just mentioned some guys on the team, what was it like to be around them or maybe even something humorous that comes to your mind right off the top of your head if I mentioned Johnny Bench? Oh, man. Johnny, you know, I – I try to Johnny and Tony try to pattern myself after them as fours, not really competing, but if I felt if I could have in the same area as far as home runs or RBIs at the end of the season, I knew I would have a good year. Johnny, I always say with Johnny, he controlled, he was power at the plate on both sides of the plate in the batter's box and behind the plate. Nobody would want to steal on, try to steal on Johnny. So he had control of that aspect and, and he was a great leader. And here's the guy, cause I remember when I was with the giants, Willie Mays, McCovey, those guys would come out. They, they want to watch him take batting practice. So yeah, we want to watch this kid. They said, this kid's gonna, he's phenomenal. We want to, he's a phenom. We want to go watch him take batting practice. And like, who is this Johnny Bench? And, and, but they, he, they were showing, they were showing praise about Johnny. Even it was back. Yeah. When 71, when I was with the giants and, but you have a Willie Mays, McCovey, and those guys, and Bobby Bonds wanted to see Johnny. I said, this guy must be a special player. Wow, they wanted to come out and see him hit. That's cool. They came out to see Usually those guys are sitting around yeah. you know, listening to music and talking. Oh, no, we got to get dressed. You know, got to go out and watch him take batting Wow, practice. and like, he's like a teenager, barely. I mean, just. Yeah, he I just, mean, I think maybe, what, two or three yeah, years he, in? But, yeah, he was like 20, 21 then. Wow. 
Woo. But they were saying, oh, we got to watch this guy. We got in Marshall and <laughs> Gaylord Pierce. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I don't want to get uh, when Gaylord Perry was with the San Diego Padres and Gaylord told them, do not watch those guys take batting practice. All you're going to do is get you get going to get intimidated. <laughs> so the guys, they get they went off the field, but we could see him peeking around the wall and we just start launching balls launching launching and now they're when the game starts they don't want to throw strikes i said man just throw i just need one just give me one <laughs> yeah. they, they, but they didn't want to get in bears that gaylor said i told you guys not to watch them take batting practice <laughs> great how about tony perez oh tony uh like, I know Doug Flake, but I use the word catalyst. Tony was the catalyst on the on the ball club, and I took pride in trying to be like a Tony, being being a clutch hitter, uh, being able to get drive that run in with two outs or drive that important run in. He, this guy, you talking about being clutch? When you, when the game's on the line, you want Tony Perez up there, averaging 90 plus RBIs a year. But with two strikes, he's one of the best hitters I I've seen. And, and but I, I I went to the point when I rebuilt my swing is tried to pattern it out model it after Tony Perez and being able to really? especially hit hit the ball the right center uh, knowing that I can hit the ball the right center so that when I get two strikes it's no big deal but it, with my stance I you know I just I try to emulate Tony Perez and that's that's the guy that I use his swing as as a foundation. Davy Concepcion. Here's a guy that hadn't – he should be in the Hall of Fame, and it, it's a tragedy that is, is not there. Hopefully one day he will get in the Hall of Fame. But playing shortstop, you don't, you don't have to worry about shortstop. He's going to do – he does something different each day and, and great range at short. And, and, and that year, we I think it was 76, he had guys in the lineup. He's, he's batting eighth, I guess, or seventh or eighth and hitting 300. Yeah. This guy not only could feel, could hit, and – and had good speed, so he he could do it all. And I'd say, well, hopefully, these these uh, voters one day would put him in the Hall of Fame. And we'll be back after a quick break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We welcome in, well, they call him Ronnie O, Cincinnati's own Ron Oster, Reds Hall of Famer, Ron Oster. You, you have to be thankful for the... Uh, the era that you did play in are, are you kind of when you look back you kind of thankful wow you know because sometimes I, i'm i was a, a generation right before the the internet came along and and i had to you know we had to go out and play and I, i'm mm-hmm. just thankful that i i kind of got the best of both worlds are you kind of thankful uh, that you played in the era you did uh, i'm so fortunate to be able to play the way uh, the years i did you know I never played for money. I mean, I love the game. Yeah, I played for money. You got to make money, have money to make a living. But, um, and I don't care what they make now. I don't care if they make a billion dollars a year. Just play the game the way it's supposed to be played. Give everything you got 100% every out, every inning, every pitch. You owe it to your fans. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your teammates. Um, it, it just, I, I was so fortunate to come up when I did because uh, I, I, I tell you, a story about when, when I did come up uh, yeah, with Johnny Bench, uh, Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, and Tony Perez were all sitting at their locker. They're sitting at their locker, and I'm sitting by George Foster over um, a locker, George Foster, and it's it's probably 10 feet from their locker and where they were sitting. And I hear my name come up, and I look over, and I didn't say anything, and my name comes up again. And I look over, I go, yeah, and, and they didn't answer. You know, So it comes up again, you know, the hoster. And I go, yeah, you know, what, you guys want something? You want me? And Johnny Ben says, shut the up, rookie. He said, when we want to talk to you, we'll, we'll let you know. And, <laughs> and oh, my God. Then, you know, when, we, when I came up, you didn't say a word. 
you were yeah. you, were, you were seen but not heard and everything and, and they started laughing and stuff and they set me up and things but that, you know that's the way it was back then and i had I, I you know i people ask me if i miss playing and i know i can't play anymore but what i miss the most is being in the clubhouse and and getting on the guys and and the atmosphere in there just uh you know jamming each other and, and getting on each other that, that that's what i miss the most but uh, yeah when I, you know my in my era was you know we i came up in a great organization in cincinnati and they taught you the fundamentals and, and i learned the fundamentals in, in little league because they have some great they had some great little league around here but you know they taught you you know how to play the game the right way uh, which i believe is the right way and uh, I, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I said, I, I, you play for money because that's, you know, my living and everything. But, uh, it, you know, it's not working. <laughs> you know, it beats working. Uh, you're playing a game. Uh, but, you know, um, it, it's, it's just it's so much different now. And, and, and they don't, like I say, I, I don't know if I've seen a hit and run this year. And I don't follow it as much as I, I, I used to because it, it's frustrating to me just watching swing watch the shifts. The best way to beat a shift is to slap the ball over the other side or bunt down there and then you know, get them out of the shift. And I could go on and on. It's just frustrating, but I am so, so lucky and so fortunate to come up not only when I did, but, uh, you know, playing in my hometown in Cincinnati, I'm, I'm one of the luckiest guys in the world. You mentioned, wow, Bench, Rose, Morgan. I mean, how about, did you ever have a moment I mean, obviously you're from this town and you were a young man or not even a man yet when the Big Red Machine was in its heyday. Did you ever have a moment like, wow, I can't believe I'm in the clubhouse with these guys? Well, uh, Jim, I was in awe. I mean, <laughs> I, I I remember going down and working out uh, during the winter. Uh, Jack Billingham was down there, Gary Nolan at the time. and There, there was a few of us in the clubhouse working out. And I, 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 Like I said, I didn't say a word. I, I was quiet as a mouse and 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 working out with those guys and um and then my first spring training um you know i i, I don't i don't i it's probably more nervous then than i was when the opening day my first day i started it, it just uh you know I, I used to pretend throwing the ball against the wall which i did every day we did <laughs> that too but um this pitch count and i know i'm jumping around but this pitch count drives me crazy because every day i threw a ball against the wall every single day the only way to strengthen your arm is to throw and uh your arm will tell you when it's tired or whatever anyway where were we well, i'm talking about um uh, growing up in Cincinnati and, you know, i used to i used to pretend throwing against the wall i was these guys i was Tony Perez, I was Johnny Bench, you know, I had an all-star team and, uh, you know, I, I, I used to just pretend I was those guys and then getting there and, and being around them, Joe Morgan and those guys, you know, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it. I, I, it took me a while to get, get used to, Hey, I'm here. You know what, what, this is crazy, but, uh, what, what a life I've had. That's all I got to say. You know, it's funny, Joe. I was I was listening. I listened to your your podcast with uh, Greg Vaughn, and what? And, and I'll tell you what. You talk about a leader. That guy was a leader. He'd go out there, and, and I remember. I'll tell you a story about him when I was coaching uh, with the Reds with with Greg. Greg, please Vaughn. do. And Brett Tomko just pitched, uh, started the game. He he gave up on five six runs or whatever. They took him out in I think the second or third inning or whatever. And we were down five, six to nothing. Well, we came back and won the game. And Vonnie comes in, Greg Vaughn comes in the clubhouse, and we're all, you know, celebrating. We won, uh, won the game. And, and he noticed that Brett Tomko, you know, he was going to go over and probably, I don't know what he was going to do. I guess he was going to go over and talk to him, you know, say, hey, hang in there, get him next time. But he wasn't in, he wasn't in the clubhouse. He was back in the training room, and he was, and he was moping. He was, he was because of his outing. He, and Vaughn, I'll never forget that Vonnie went in the training room told him get the hell out here he said brett get out here he said we just won a damn game i mean i can't say exactly what he said but we just won a game get out here you know it's not about you it's about you know it's about the team and, and that's just one example of long uh, he went out there people don't realize how hurt he was how how his knees were going out there and, and giving you know john mcnamara said you're not going to feel 100 percent every day you know you very seldom feel 100 percent." he said but give 100 percent of how you feel and that's that's what Vonnie did that's what 
that's what I try to do. You know, you feel 80%, give 100% of that 80%. You know, and I'll never forget, he went in and got Tom, Tomko came out and, uh, you know, it, it made Tomko a better, better person, better player, better, better teammate. And, wow, but that love, was Greg Vaughn. That, that yeah. was just, that's just one story. I mean, it, I listened to that podcast and I didn't get to listen to the whole thing yet, but what, what a leader you talk about a leader. Greg Vaughn was a leader and we missed him the next year. Uh, you know, we, that was the year that we came with him one game. We had that one extra game with the Mets and lost that game with the Mets to get in the playoffs. Yeah. That was a heartbreaker. And, uh, 99 and, man. And I use that coaching sometimes. I said, Hey, you know, if I see somebody, like, you know, this could be the game, you know, this could be the game that gets us to the playoffs. Cause I, I, I was through it. And, but but I, I miss my and, and I got I got another story about Vaughn. <laughs> and um, when I was coaching, we're in Atlanta, and I'm hitting ground balls to the third baseman, and Vonnie was struggling. He was hitting I don't know what he was hitting. He wasn't hitting 200, I don't think. But he came up to me and he comes up to me and goes, "Hey man, I'm going home." And I, I said, "What?" I said, "You're what?" He goes, "I'm going home, man. I'm not having any fun." And I said, "Go ahead." I said, how can you not have fun? You're playing baseball. I said, yeah, you're struggling, but how can you think about going home, buddy? I said, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Get away from me. Well, anyway, it, it went a little deeper than that, the conversation. So anyway, I'm, we're, we're done taking batting practice. That was during batting practice. So we're done taking batting practice, and I'm walking over to get the balls to hit infield. We took infield back in the days. I'm walking over to get the balls in the infield, and Bonnie's walking towards me. I go, oh, my God, here we go. He didn't, he didn't like that. He's he ticked off. He comes up to me. He goes, you know what? And I go, you know what? He goes, you're right. He says, thank you. He says, you're right. You're exactly right. He says, if I'm not having fun, it's my fault. He's like, oh. and, and, you know, he, I saw him. I didn't see him after that, you know, after we, after I coached with him that year. And I, I didn't see him Bonnie in years, three or four years. I saw him about four years later and he was, a, he, he made it a point to come up to me and, and, and talk to me and, and he's one of my favorite guys I ever coached. I'll just put it that way. Oh, I bet. I mean, when you're, you were a leader yourself and then he's a leader and you're a coach trying to lead. I could see that where that would, you would naturally just yeah, like that yeah. guy. Yeah. He gets, I'll tell you all Bonnie wanted to do is win. He didn't care about his statistics and that, that he, whatever he could do to make the team better to, to, to win a game. He would go out there, and like I said, his knees. I mean, he, uh, <laughs> it hurt me just watching him walk around the clubhouse, get nice on his knees to try to play that day. And, and he would. And uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite guys I ever coached. Oh, I bet there's no doubt about it. Now you talked about saying things to teammates that they might not have liked. Um, that led to a few skirmishes, did it not? <laughs> with me yeah <laughs> yeah yeah a couple yeah i got a couple but you know i got i got my point across and uh uh i'll i'll share one of them with you i mean barry larkin uh, rob dibble was pitching and uh we we're playing houston and for no reason at all and, and i love dibs uh, for no reason at all dibs rob dibble hit eric yelding well larkin comes up you know, Yelding was a shortstop. Larkin comes up the next inning, and they hit Larkin in, in the wrist. And Larkin's hurt, and he, it's September, and we're this is this is 1990. This is when I'm going to get my World Series ring. I'm hoping I'm going to get my World Series ring. They hit him in the wrist, and Larkin comes out of the game. And up goes up to the clubhouse to get his wrist taken care of. Well, I walk up the clubhouse, and I get in there, and then I see Rob Dibble and Randy Myers down – the other end of the uh, the clubhouse. This is at uh, um, Great America um, Riverfront. Riverfront State. They're all the way down to the other end of the clubhouse. And all I hear Dibble say when I'm walking up there and, and just just turned it to, to get in the clubhouse is, "Man, they're going to blame that on me now." And I lost it. I went down and I can't say what I'm said to him, but I said, "You dumb!" And, you know, and I, I went off. I walked. I, I walked all the way down there. I go, you, you don't think it's your fault, Dibs? I said, "You hit their shortstop. You they hit Mark." And I said, "If we don't have him, you know, we don't have a chance of, you know, uh, um, winning the World Series, or we don't have a chance of getting in the playoffs." And, and I just went off. I'm in ran on there. Randy Meyer standing there talking to me. He says, "We don't want to hear it right now." 
And that's not, wasn't a good thing to say to me at the time. Oh, no. I said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You're going to hear it. And I said, yeah, you guys are nasty out there. I said, let's see how nasty you are in here to, to um, Randy Myers. And he, of course, he didn't do anything. He, he turned around and walked away. But, um, yeah, I, uh, but I got my point across. And in fact, Gibbs, you talked to him today, he, he thanks me for, for doing it. Gibbs didn't know, you know, he, he, he didn't come up with, with the, with the guys that I did, you know, benches, roses, Perez's, yeah. Morgan's, uh, he didn't know, but, but so I, I, I guess it worked. I, you know, I, hey, so I lost it. Yeah. I lost if they're it. coming yeah, up to you later and thanking you multiple players, that's, you got your point across. Exactly. And, you know, and, and I'm not, as, as you know, Jim, I'm not very politically correct. <laughs> I've gotten, I've gotten better. <laughs> I've noticed over the years. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten better, but I'm not very, you know, I, but I get my, I get my point across. And um... There's a story. Tell, tell me if I'm, if this is right or not, that you guys went through a losing streak. It might've been like eight games. <laughs> yeah. You shaved your head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're out in, we're in Los Angeles and I believe we're seven games. We just lost, we, we were seven games. We lost seven games in a row. So we're in the clubhouse, and we just lost our eighth game to, to Los Angeles. And I believe we were three and a half games still in first place and playing the Dodgers. And we just lost our eighth – or no, we just lost our seventh game in a row. So we were six, just lost our seventh game in a row. And, and the nasty boys and, you know, in the pit, you know, saying, hey, you guys, you know, talking about, you know, why don't you guys shave your head, nasty boys? Why don't you guys shave your head? You know, turn the luck around. I was screwing around. I was just trying to lighten the mood because Lou came in and, kicking garbage cans and stuff and slammed the door in his office and hey we're still in first place we're still three and a half games in first place and that's why i said hey wait i said we're still three and a half games in first place i said we're playing not to lose instead of playing to win i go you know why don't dibs why don't you guys shave your head you know let's do some and i'll never forget rob dibble says Oh no, I can't do that. He goes, My wife will kill me. So <laughs> and then then his next thing out of his mouth was, if we lose ten games in a row row, I'll shave my head. And that's that was it. I said I said, that's how we're thinking. I said, We're not losing ten games in a row. I said, Shave mine. And that's what happened. They did. <laughs> Eric Davis shaved my head. I hope you're enjoying this best of episode, and we'll get back to it after this message from our sponsor. Western and Southern Financial Group. Life can throw a lot at us, but through all the ups and downs, your financial future will be ever gentle on your mind with Western and Southern. From life insurance to investments, our one-on-one guidance is customized for your needs today and in the future. Western and Southern, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Visit westernsouthern.com slash rest assured to get started today. Ever smiling, ever gentle on my mind. Products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial, Cincinnati, Ohio. Reds Hall of Famer, National Baseball Hall of Famer, the captain, and I can't believe this, but I now call him a colleague, <laughs> Barry Larkin. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to sit across the table from you <laughs> as opposed to on the same side. What's happening? <laughs> How much does it mean to you're at the stadium and on the facade there is number 11? That's awesome. I mean, there's only there's only so many numbers up there, that and we're true. talking about Cincinnati Reds, a storied franchise. I mean, how much does that mean? Oh man, it, it's it's incredible. Yeah. This ride, this journey, all of it's just been humbling and and just incredible. And you think about some of the other numbers that are up there, from Sparky to Joe Morgan, my idol and David Concepcion, Johnny Bench, uh, Tony Perez, um, just in. Fred Hutchinson, I, I, if I'm missing any, any clue, people, big clues, big up clues there. up there. So, I, I mean, you look at it. Well, I look at it and I go, oh man. I mean, every time I come into the stadium, still today, if I happen to look up there and see the number, and I don't go into the stadium and look up there. I mean, it just as I'm scanning the yeah. crowd or whatever it is. I look up there and I go, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that, that was my number. And it's it's amazing. It really, truly is. All right, now, th- this story was, we actually talked about this recently. 
there was that battle between you and Kurt Stillwell. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be the shortstop of the future? And he was wearing number 11 at the time. He was. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pete says that he said, hey, Lark, I got to – I got to make a decision. I got to trade one of you guys. Mm -hmm. Someone's got to go. And you, what did he say that you said? He said that I said, Skip, you better go ahead and trade him because I'm going to be your shortstop for the next 15 years. That's what he said I said. Now, I was 22 years old. This was my childhood idol, Pete Rose, talking to me. There's no way in heck that I showed any kind of confidence like that in talking to him. No chance. I can chance. totally see you no saying that. Really? You can see me saying it now. <laughs> but at 22, no chance. I'm going to tell you, something happened before that. And I'll leave the names out because, you know, it was, it was a, an uncomfortable situation. So we're playing in Denver, AAA. And this was in 86. This was before I got called up mm -hmm. in 86. And... I am absolutely killing it in AAA. Double A, I kind of struggled um, offensively, but AAA, figured it out, shortened up my swing, okay with the wood bat. I had not used the wood bat before I signed in 85. And so all my, all my aluminum uh, bad habits, all my bad habits from using an aluminum bat were just exposed from using a wood bat. So I had a really long swing, I broke so many bats, just couldn't find the sweet spot eventually. Worked on some things and learned. Shortened it up. Killing it. 320, 15, 16 bombs, whatever it was. I, w I was really playing well. And playing shortstop every day. And I had one error. Playing shortstop every day. So we're playing. And this was in early August. And I get a call from the minor league coordinator. Um to meet him down at the pool. We were playing, we were in Denver, we were playing in Indianapolis. And so the brass drove down to Indianapolis to see the team play. So I'm in my hotel room and I get a call and said, and, and they asked me, the brass asked me to come down to the pool in Indianapolis. Now, I am absolutely destroying it, right? Playing super well. All right. So I get down there and I'm thinking, oh, this might be it. I might, I might be getting a call to Cincinnati. Because, J.D., I mean, I was, I was playing super well. Yeah. So I get down there, and one of the minor league guys says, how's it going? I go, it's going great. Now, this was the same guy who came to my house when I got drafted. And he said to me, and my mom and my father, because we asked the question, don't you guys have a shortstop? Well, Davies is a shortstop, but don't you guys, didn't you guys just draft a shortstop, your first round draft pick, Kurt Stillwell? Yeah, well, why would you draft Barry? Well, because, you know, he's a Cincinnati kid, whatever, whatever the explanation was. And we asked this specifically, well, who's gonna play shortstop? The only way you will not play shortstop in this organization is if you play yourself out of playing shortstop. So if you play so poorly that you can't play shortstop, then obviously you won't. But if you play well enough, you will play shortstop. That same guy who told me that on draft day is the same guy that called me down to the pool in Indianapolis. And he said to me, he goes, he goes, he goes, you know, the organization believes that you are unconventional in everything that you do. Now, this was when I was in AAA playing so well. You're unconventional in the way you throw. You're unconventional in the way that you hit. You're unconventional in the way that you feel. Oh, no. The only way we believe that you're going to be able to play in the big leagues in Cincinnati is if you move to second base. The same oh, guy that no. told me <laughs> that I would only not play shortstop if I played myself out of the position. So, you talked about my confidence in saying what I said to Pete Rose that, you know, you better trade Stillwell. I told this guy, you sat in my house with my mother and father and you told me 
You told us that the only way I would not play shortstop in this organization is if I played myself out of the position. If you guys don't want me to play shortstop, and I sat and less, listened to him yeah. for five minutes tell me how terrible a player I was and unconventional, if you don't want me to play shortstop in Cincinnati, respectfully, trade me. Oh, wow. And I got up and I walked away. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, when I call my mother, what am I going to say to her when I just get, when I get released or whatever it was, right? <laughs> Week later, I got called up to Cincinnati, played shortstop the rest of my career. I think I played maybe one or two games at second yeah. base, but I got called up. And I asked Pete about that. He said, I think they were just trying to test your resolve and see if you really wow. were committed to it. Now I, now, I know that I said that to the minor league director at the time. Yeah. I don't believe that I said that to, to Pete Rose. <laughs> to Pete Rose. I, I, I can see it, but well, it makes a good story. Though. It does. Pete, Pete. So the, the stories are legendary. The, the players I've talked to over the years from that team, they – some of the stories are the same, but they never get old. Right. Uh, what are when you when someone asks you about it? Maybe you're talking to a group or whatever. What are what are stories that come up for Lou? That in, in general that might in, be humorous. In, in general, general, for me, huh? too many. Too many. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you got? No good one. No good one. Though. I'm gonna tell you. You knew where you stood with Lou, and when Lou, my relationship with Lou is special. Um, he really kind of mentored me as far as post-playing career and all that good stuff too, right? So he would talk to me in retrospect about stories that happened when we were playing that he considered teaching moments. So he said, you remember the issue with Paul O'Neill in spring training when I lost my mind? That was a teaching moment. <laughs> Do you remember when you grounded into a double play and I threw the bag into right field, that was a teaching moment. <laughs> well, never, well, that has been referred to many, many Not ways. Not a teaching moment. Not, never, I've never heard it that way, a teaching moment. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, he's away. Do you remember when I tossed over the spread and told you guys you don't deserve a spread after the game. It was turkey. It was turkey that night because Jose was sitting on the floor eating, the <laughs> eating the, the, the turkey on George. That yes. was a teaching moment. I eat my turkey though. I eat my turkey. Wasn't Hatcher like sneaking a turkey sandwich somewhere? And, and no, no, it was me. It was that me. was you. Yeah, but, but, but being the motivation that uh, another story that came up in San Francisco, we uh, lost like. 11 games in a row, but we still in first place. And I'm pitching that day in San Francisco, and uh, 0-0 in the sixth inning. And in the seventh inning, there was two men on base, two out. It was ground ball to Sable, and Sable made an error. So he was mad, he was very mad. So when we uh, finalized the inning, I came over and I, we got a rookie pitching for the Giants that day, throwing off. And I said, God damn it, guy, let's go. Who's pitching? Cyan? Let's go. Let's get this guy. And Sable came at, at the player in the bat, and he fouled the ball between the stands and the foul territory. And one of the fans stick his hand out, so they called Sable out, and he was even worse. So I said, no matter, you know, let's go. Let's, you know, let's kick this guy. Cyan? Let's go. Oh, boy. And Sable came to me, and he threw me two punch, and I said, "Wow, I hit him! I hit him, fortunately." And then I you went hit him with a slider, though. Yeah, you hit him with a straight. Punch. I you hit him with. with a I, I went to the miles that day, and I threw nine pitches. Man, did not even you know take over? I just threw nine pitches and strike, or three out and left to the clubhouse. It was eighth inning. I wasn't gonna pitch no more. I told Lou, "That's enough." When I went in, I remember uh, they got the goop crunchy ice in San Francisco. So I told the guy, give me a drink. So I took one drink, he said, it was big, tall glass, he said, give me another one. Because I said, I drink it. So I said, guy said, Rio, I said, please give me another one. I drink the other one, I said, give me one more. And leave that one in there. Because I know something gonna happen soon. Oh bro, look him in, I can hear from the hallway. Made it, 
Manny, Manny. So as soon as everybody sit down, I was there with my shower and my towel. He said, Rio, you find the $500. Say, well, you find $500. I said, I ain't gonna pay no fine. I'm here trying to that bone game. The guy trying to hit me. You crazy, I ain't paid nothing. I said, then I throw my shower shoe away. I said, give me anybody in this room that don't wanna win game game. Anybody. I was looking at Graham Bragg. I said, I hope you don't get up. <laughs> he was huge. He was big. And that, guess what? We won like 13 in a row after that day. Wow. And Lou Pinella with Lucy Fortune. He said, Rico, fight somebody else today. <laughs> we'll be back after a quick break. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Boy, look who we have back today. I think this is his third appearance, and <laughs> the first two, I got to tell you, um, they haven't been topped. It is the mayor, Sean Casey. <laughs> Adam Dunn. So, he would he was the most creative in turning me down for post game interviews. <laughs> was he? What would he do? Wow, my God, tell me, tell me what he would do. Uh well he would <laughs> see this is a a rated G podcast for the most part. So I've got to clean up the word. I'll use a word here. I'll use a word here, folks, but it's another four letter word. So you can insert <laughs> <laughs> so he like hits a walk off home run. Hey Adam, hey Adam, can we can we do the post game interview here? I gotta take a crap. <laughs> interview someone else. I'm like, wow, the game was like three nothing, and you just hit a three run home run. You're the only one that did anything. There is there is no one else to interview. There is no one else. <laughs> I mean, him and Griffey were very tough to get for those. Oh my God, I can see Gri- I can see oh. Griff being tough. I can see Griff just not even uh, saying that he has to go to the bathroom. I can see Griff just keep walking right by you. Well, no, he, <laughs> he would say something, but it was it was uh, it was a no, uh, preceded by another four letter word. It'd be like no, like, Griff. Griff, you got him. You got no. <laughs> All right, congratulations on the victory. Can I, let me talk oh to. Let's find who's who we got here. We, we got the bullpen catcher here, uh, Mark Berry. Uh, can we talk to you? He waved him great around. Job. Mark great Berry. job sending him home in that homer. <laughs> um, Joey's fascinating. He'll usually yeah. do me in in spring training. Um, although he's been loosening up lately, he's been doing all these other national podcasts. I need to hit him back up. But, uh, <laughs> Dude, um, he, he really, I mean, watching Votto, I don't know, man. Just like a, re, like a resurgence of Joey Votto, like, you know, unbelievable, a, re- a rebranding almost. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, feel like he's really having fun. He's playing well. You know what I mean? It's just really, it's been fun as a, as a fan, just to sit back and watch Votto do what he's doing. Really yeah, cool. and he's definitely opened up. As a, I mean, he was always a funny guy behind the scenes, but the fans right. never really got to see the personality. And now they're right. seeing the personality and how really how smart he is. Uh, yeah. And I think he – I don't know if he would say it. He came close to saying it, but he you know almost – which is he had to do the, those years over again where he would kind of stop and smell the roses a little more and enjoy it a little more. He was so locked in. He was so tense, which he's still locked in, but now it's it's a different locked in. I guess when you're just, like, swinging for home runs. Yeah. just How about a guy, Votto Case, that yeah. is an on-base machine monster? He, he's hitting a certain way, and then one day he, just, he decides, he even said, I just decided I felt like hitting home runs. And at, <laughs> at 37 years of age, he just decides, right, I'm going to hit home runs. I'm going to hit for power now. And he goes out and does it. I know, isn't that amazing? At 37. That's, when you have – well, what's amazing is the toughest thing as a hitter 
is to change your mentality. So he, you know, to, to, you know, he was starting to get a little passive at this at the plate, kind of like choking up so big, squatting down, just t- trying to touch the ball. It really didn't look like him, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think when he started standing straight up and saying, you know what, that ain't working the other way. I'm gonna just start taking some rips and see what happens. To have the skill to be able to do that, and then all of a sudden, really, you're just really trying to hit homers and you're hitting them like that's unbelievable. That's why I think he's Cooperstown bound. You know what I mean? I think yeah. he's just one of the best best players this game's ever seen. And, uh, you know, it's just really cool to see him really reinvent himself this, this really season and a half. I know it was like the last month of 2020 where he was like, you know what? I got to clean it up. I think when David Bell benched him, didn't he sit him like towards the – He sat him for three games. Yeah. And three games. Yeah. David Bell and then, creatively called it something else. And then, <laughs> and then Votto came out and said, no, I was benched. I was benched for three games. Yeah. <laughs> and then Votto came back with like a different stance. Like, oh, this guy looks different. And all of a sudden yeah. he was taking rips and put yeah. up some great numbers. And, and here we are in 2021 where he's put up having a monster year. Yeah, no doubt. I got to talk to you about this Legends game. And coming yeah. back for the Marty Brenneman induction and the Legend softball game, which yeah. was a whole that whole well that whole weekend was was crazy. Oh my but, gosh! Um, yeah. What was it like? It was awesome. Like literally, like it was almost like the Reds put together uh, a party for us. That you know, just to, to be able to see those guys again, man. Like. To see Pokey Reed, I, I remember I was in like I was coming in the um, in the, it was in the Reds Hall of Fame the first night we had a, we had a little you know get together, and uh, man I walk in and I see David Weathers, John Reedling, and Danny Graves talking. I'm like, oh my god, you got to be kidding me! So I, I walk up to him and they all give me the cold shoulder like that was. <laughs> <laughs> it was like. And I know Stormy Weathers was behind it. You know, here comes Case. Don't say anything when he comes over to us. You know what I mean? That's... Meanwhile, I haven't seen those. I haven't seen those guys in years. Like, what's up, fellas? They're like, so uh, what's going on? Like, you know, I'm like, they gave you the me. silent treatment, like you're in the dugout. That's <laughs> like I'm in the dugout. It was so great. So I start laughing. You know, that was the first guys I saw. Then all of a sudden, here comes Dimitri. So Dimitri Young, wait, what's up, Case? I'm like, oh man, what's up, D Train? You know, I give him a hug. Behind him. The guy that I really was waiting to see, you know, gives me a hug, gives me a high five. Was like, "What's up, Case?" And it's Pokey Reese. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, <laughs> Pokey, for, Pokey, you know, for me, just, just one of the greatest dudes I ever played with, the best defender I've ever seen, ever seen in Major League Baseball history. Uh, just was so good to see Pokey. You know, I haven't seen Pokey in years. You know, probably, I want to say, I don't probably 15 years. You know, I hadn't seen Poke, so it's been a long time. So to see him was great, but you know, just like how Morris and Ronnie O, and then you know the 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 the, the OGs, you know, just like Doggy Perez and Concepcion and the Chief and and Johnny. Johnny's great. Like Johnny was on my podcast. John, that's my bit. That's been my biggest. I almost have you know two thousand downloads with Johnny. It's been my biggest you know hit on the podcast. Johnny, you know, seeing Johnny and being around Johnny, like 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 having him on my podcast, it was like it was so cool to spend an hour with him to really get to know him. And then when I saw him at the legends game, I felt like, man, I just kind of knew him on a different level. And, you know, him, you know, I was the first pick of his, his team. And, you know, that was really cool. And so, you know, um, you know, we just, we, one of the, one of the coolest nights of the, of the whole time was that Thursday night. I believe we were in Johnny's room. It was me, Raleigh Eastwick, Tom Hume, Adam Dunn, Danny Graves. Um, oh, get out of town. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was one more. And Johnny. And I think there was one more guy in there, too. But uh, Johnny basically held court and was just talking about. <laughs> oh, it was unbelievable. No, no, no. Jimmy, it was unbelievable. Johnny held court, was telling was telling Raleigh stories, of, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the World Series, you know, you know, putting down the fingers, telling the t- Tom Hume stories. You know, uh, going back and forth. Then he started talking to um, Casey, Casey Dunn, who's um, Dunner's son, who's 11. He started talking to Casey about, you know, hitting and, and, and talking about like, hey, that backhand is almost like a fly swatter. He's like, when that ball comes in, it's like it's like you're swatting a fly. Meanwhile, I'm thinking like, that easy? I, didn't, I never thought it was a fly swatter. I felt more like a freaking oak tree. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it was so cool. 
to sit with Johnny and just and just talk. And the next morning, me, um, Gravy, and Dunner went to went to breakfast. And, uh, you know, we were just sitting there kind of in awe of the night before, like, man, how cool is that, you know, hanging out in Johnny's room and, and Johnny, uh, you know, holding court with everybody. Oh, that is, that's tremendous. That night, <laughs> obviously the rain did not help. It delayed everything. Um, but it gave you guys some extra time. And boys will be boys was, uh, there any drinking going on there? <laughs> I think there was a little bit, just a little bit, a little bit of drinking going on. You know, what was so, one of the coolest moments was, you know, Phil Castellini was trying to figure out, you know, he was like, well, we're, I mean, we're on to plan B, maybe plan C. And plan C, I think, was where what we ended up doing. But we were, we were underneath, right by the dugout, you know, in the tunnel, right before right. The, where you go out to the field. And, bro, I'm telling you, like, are you kidding me? Uh, I was sitting there. And I get the chills talking about it right now. So I'm sitting there and it couldn't have been a better delay, you know, for the guys that were down there. All the red jackets are down there. It's me, Dave Parker. Um, so I look to my right. I'm sitting there like, can you imagine like me? You know, you know I, I, sometimes I'm like, I can't believe I'm in this club. This is just so freaking cool. So I'm sitting there. I look to my right, Johnny Bench. Look to his right. Dave Parker looked at his right. Mario Soto looked at his right. Tony Perez looked at his right. Concepcion, the chief Larkin, Browning, Dunner, Spuds, um, you know, Ronnie O, you know, the list goes on, you know, of, of guys that were sitting there during this rain delay and we're just holding court. Johnny's holding court. Jose Rios holding court. Soto's hold court. Parker's talking about a, a bomb he hit off Soto into the second deck, I think, somewhere. Oh, that you know, is it's just, great. Oh, dude, it was like so much good stuff. Um, uh, Dave Parker tells the story about when they go to Michigan to um, to play a game, like exhibition game or something, and Larkin's there playing for Michigan, and Parker, sa Parker says to um, Concepcion, hey, Davey, hey, this is the guy who's going to be taking your job one day. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a great story, and and Larkin's there. Larkin's like Larkin's like, yeah, it was so uncomfortable because he's like my idol, and I got Dave Parker here, you know, busting chops with Concepcion, saying this guy's gonna be taking your job one day. It's great, <laughs> so great. So like, dude, we're sitting there in this rain delay, and these are the stories we're hearing. Johnny Bench is holding, you know, Johnny is the greatest because he he's holding court and he's has so many freaking stories and. You know, going down the list of guys, and then Concepcion comes in with his stories, and Doggy Press starts jabbing Johnny, and you know, so it just it was it was unbelievable. Eric Davis is there; he's t him and Rio are telling stories, just so freaking cool, man. It was just wow. such a such a cool night. How much stuff did you keep over the years? Oh man, I kept a lot of stuff, dude. I, I, I and you know what's funny? A lot of guys don't, and they regret it. I kept so much stuff. And I also collected, man. I, I just felt like a fan when I was up there just because I was so grateful to be there. I really did feel that way. And I just collected a lot of, like, bats and balls and holding guys on at first base, asking guys if they could send a signed bat over a signed ball. So I got 180 bats I've collected just holding guys on at Come first base. On. Swear to God, 180 bats. Just by holding what? guys on at first? Yeah, just being like, hey, man, wait a second. Hey, can you send a bat over if you don't mind? After oh, game, we would know? take so many yeah. shots. Oh, there's Casey wearing that guy yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, I was really trying to get were, a signed bat. You were doing business. <laughs> I was oh. doing business. I was doing business. <laughs> All these years, we think, oh, he's just <laughs> he's just being Sean. He's being nice. No, he's peddling for a bat. <laughs> no, I, now I get it. Oh my god, so funny! And then, oh my god. then there's a guy like Vado who cares nothing about memorabilia, and yeah, I shouldn't I know, say nothing. That... I don't want to speak for him. I should say nothing. But I'll give you an example. His first hit that he got in the major leagues, his dog yeah. Maris ate it. He gave it to his dog, and the dog, the dog chewed it. Up. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, oh I'm my, not kidding. God. oh my god! Oh my god! It no longer exists. Merit, Maris, excuse me. May he rest in oh peace. Uh, yes, ate his first hit. Uh, <laughs> so, oh my god, that's yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> you know. Well, I think looking back, <clears throat> hopefully towards the end, Joey does keep a few things because yeah, I'm you know, sure he. I'm when sure your career's when you when your career's over, you do look back and go, man, that was pretty cool. Although you re although you realize. No one cared about your career as much as you did. <laughs> <laughs>
like even my kids, I'm like, they don't, even, they have no, they, you know, they were too young when I retired, which is kind of a bummer, but right. you know what I mean? Like they never really, you know, they don't remember, you know, yeah. me bringing them in the Red clubhouse after the game and you know, all that stuff, you know? Right. So, you know, you, you, you look around, you go, look at all this stuff I collect for myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to see my room with my stuff? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you want to see the jersey I wore when, you know, this happened? And you want to see the... Not really. Not you know really. what? But actually, there would be a ton of people listening right now that would be like, yes, I want to see Sean Casey's room. Are you kidding me? Well, you know what, Jimmy? I don't know. One of the coolest things, if, if, if you've ever tuned into the mayor's office, like if you go to YouTube, I do have like a, I do have a memorabilia room that I that I, you know, that I collected over the years. And uh, my man, Mike Rolfe, you know, who um, who was the who was the our chiropractor back in the day? You know, it took all these great opening day pictures and all yeah. that stuff. And uh, you know, I got a bunch of those in my in my room. I'm looking at right now. I got a picture of like when I grand marshaled the uh, the parade, my first hit and home run at PNC. I got a picture with Pete Rose at Cooperstown. I got the Fantastic Four: Rose, Morgan, Larkin, and Bench. And then I got like Clemente's 3,000 hit. I got the 99 team in the middle. So like if you, oh, you know, wow. at the when you look at the mayor's office when I when I do my podcast, that's the backdrop for my podcast. So it's pretty cool. Like a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I a lot of the pictures I collected and some some of the autographs I collected I have up on the wall. All right, another best of episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. You can check me out on social media at Jim Day TV on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, everyone. Thanks so much again for joining us and listening and being loyal. We appreciate you so much. We'll see you next time.